this is only my second podcast and I don't think I'm very good at it yet. (laughs) So bear with me. Welcome to What Are We Even Doing? I'm your host, Rochelle, and each week I talk to interesting people about what we're making, reading, writing, watching, creating, and doing. This week, I'm talking with my friends Chris Windley and Sarah Schatz about writing books, creative motherhood, and when can you call yourself an artist. Enjoy. All right, today I am talking to my two friends, Chris Windley and Sarah Schatz. Um, Hi, guys. Hey. (laughs) What are some of your goals in 2020? I'll start because I have, this is my main goal was to start a podcast and I did it. So I'm like done for the year. So basically you're just going to go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. You're done. I'm like, yes, (laughs) give me the trophy. Good job. And I will go home. (laughs) What have you got going on, Chris? Um, For goals? um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking at goals in a like sort of side eye way this Mm -hmm. time around because, um, because I don't know who I'm going to be. This is actually a kind of an interesting day for this because I'm like really sleepy today and I've got a really low energy day. And this just sometimes happens when mm. um, you're like neurodiverse is that your brain isn't always um, something that you can rely on being consistent and stuff. So, yes. Um, so making goals and doing the plan. We talked about like what happens after the plan and stuff mm-hmm. too. And that's a whole piece of it is that like I'm really good at planning things, but once it gets real neat and tidy in the plan, it's hard to get in there and mess it up and do the thing mm-hmm. for me. So setting goals is really tricky because um, I don't know who's going to show up to play. Like, I don't know which Absolutely. version of me is going to arrive on a day-to-day basis. And some years are better than others. And I don't know that until it's over. So um, setting a goal for the whole year is, has caused me a lot of, like, guilty, shamey, bad feelings. Yeah. And so I think that like, I'm just kind of looking at direction instead and being like, well, I'm going to point the ship in this direction and we're just going to go and we'll see what kind of, um, seas we run into. We'll see if there's pirates or like, you Mm -hmm. know, take the metaphor (laughs) for what it is. Um, so the direction I'm going is like, I'm really moving toward, um, making things that, um, that have value in the making for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but that also actually have like distinctive specific value for other people, regardless of like revenue streams and Mm -hmm. marketing stuff and, um, and what you should be doing and what people tell you to do all that kind of nonsense. I'm just looking at like, no, I, you know, I need to create something that has value for reels and that, Mm -hmm. um, that will feel good for me in the process. I like that. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I'm moving in that direction. And there's a couple of things that I know are along the way that I'm going to be working on. Um, but I don't know which of the, like, I don't know how far on the, on the map I'm going to get basically, if that makes sense. It does. And I think that's totally a great way to approach it. And that's pretty much what I'm doing too, because I do set a lot of goals and I don't worry if I don't make them all. I don't, I don't really care that much. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as I get something done or, you know, feel Mm -hmm. good about what I've done, then I'm uh, an easy person to make happy. So I usually do feel pretty good about (laughs) some things at least. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, I'm 
I'm actually taking a similar approach in that I have a lot of goals, but they don't have deadlines. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's similar in that it's a direction to go in, but I'm not putting the pressure that I have to finish it at a certain time because I have an eight month old baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. So that's new. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still thinking so that's that one out. of the goals. Yes. Yeah. Keeping the baby alive is a great yeah. goal. Main, number one critical, let's keep me and the baby alive and fed. If everybody gets to eat and poop, then we are good. Yes. That was a successful day. Yeah. So secondary to that, I want to make things. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out kind of how that was going to work last year. And I came across the artist Linka Clayton has this framework called the artist residency and motherhood. And it's perfect because it is the goal that you're making art, but it also takes into account the motherhood part. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be so separate. Like it all kind of blends together. Nice. And um, so I'm making some pieces with that. The goal is to eventually I want to do, a solo art show. I want to make art that doesn't have to fit inside the internet because I've kind of been stuck in that box for a while. Um, But I don't know whether that might be this autumn. It might be next year. might be two years. It's whenever it's ready. Awesome. I like that. I like that. And um, I left one of the things when I was reading about it on her website is that she says that it's making art with the fragmented focus of motherhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like nap time, nap length studio time. Cause I think a lot of times, I don't know, a lot of the narrative I've heard about motherhood and creativity is like just power through till they go to school or, you know, pay somebody to watch them. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you know, real life for everybody. Right. So true. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that too. That's really neat. I, Red and I are both on the other sort of side of motherhood where we, mm-hmm. like I have, my youngest is graduating this year. And although my oldest has a myriad of interesting disabilities and stuff, so she still hangs out with me. She still lives here with me. Um, she doesn't require my ongoing attention. So the length of time that I have available is like luxurious yeah. <laughs> compared yeah. to where you're sitting right now, Sarah. But looking at that and thinking about that whole like... Um, recognizing the chunks of time that you have available and letting that be kind of the flavor of your creativity too. Like that fragmented piece is a part of what it, what you're creating too. Yeah. And so like a year, you know, I guess it was two years ago now before I was pregnant, but I had too that luxurious time and I'm (laughs) actually making more now than I was then because I just frittered it away in all this productivity, internet Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. now I'm like, I have 15 minutes. I want to make art. I want to get Mm. to it. There's nothing like putting restrictions on your your day to make you make the most of it for sure. And putting uh, brackets on your creativity for sure can inspire some really great work too yeah and I have like it's such a new experience I have a lot Mm -hmm. to say I have a lot to explore and process I think before I was just kind of like okay well I went and I had my exciting time living in London and now I'm back and I'm here and we kind of want to start a family but we're not there it was like such an in-between time Mm -hmm. and then the thing I was doing was being in the internet instead of being in life and so now I'm like forced to be in you know, physical, tangible space yes. and ex- have experiences. So I actually have something to say with my art. Awesome. Mm, I like that too. Well, I think that creativity too behaves um, 
or it shows up more or it like mm-hmm. represents itself more when there are restrictions. Cause I think that that's yeah. why we have it right. Is to solve. This is my, my view of mm-hmm. creativity is that we have it, you know, as an, it's an evolutionary tactic. <laughs> yeah. And the reason we're squishy and slow and we're not like, we are not great survivors as a species. <laughs> like if you look at our qualities and the thing that we've been able to use to keep ourselves alive um, and not eaten by tigers and stuff is this ability to solve problems. And so when you yeah. have restrictions, when you have a problem, this creative innovation thing starts happening in us. And if we're just sitting there with all the time in the world um, and like every possible, you know, resource in front of us, it's like, well, what should I make? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, yep. You know, it's endless. But if someone's like, here's a string and a tennis racket. Um, suddenly you're like, okay, I have so many ideas because I'm restricted. And so that, that like problem solving piece is activated and it gives you a focus to sort of, sort of attack. Although I can't think of anything to make with a string and a tennis racket off the top of my head. I'm sure I could uh, if I tried. Cross stitch (laughs) the tennis racket with the string. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Being a mother requires creativity on a daily basis. It's, it's all about creative problem solving. And no two kids are yeah. alike, oh so gosh. nobody can tell you what to yeah. do. You always have exactly. to figure it out yourself. Davy's eight months old. Yes, what just turned eight months old. Cute. Oh my goodness, it goes so, so fast. Yeah. Having a seventeen-year-old like wake up in the morning and being like, "Mom, braid my hair. I haven't had a shower in days." My son's going to turn thirty-one next week. Oh my goodness. No. It does go fast. It's one of those tropes. So we hear it all the time, but it's like, mm, it's cliche because it's wildly true. So one of the projects, one of the projects, Sarah, that you're working on that I super duper love has to do with this fragmentation piece. And I kind of dig how it takes like the flavor of your life a little bit and like how that rolls into your creativity and into the things that you're making this, you know, which piece I'm talking about I the do, weaving, the weaving. Tell, yeah. Yeah. I it. don't I understand I that exactly. Thing. I would love for you to explain that. Yeah. So the the piece is a, a weaving like a wall tapestry uh, that I did on a loom and the concept is that every time I was interrupted while I was sitting to work on the piece I would stop weaving so I would be sitting there and I'm like you know weaving the thread over under over under over under over under to make the tapestry and then the baby wakes up and needs fed so I would just leave it hanging Mm -hmm. and then when I come back I'd knot it and then I'd start another thread and so the piece when it's finished has all of these strings that are just hanging down and those represent a time that I had to walk away from the piece oh my gosh and then come back to it I love that it's so perfect yeah (laughs) it's so exactly the thing and it's super cool because of all of the like attached symbolism that tapestry Mm -hmm. has right with storytelling and with like weaving and building and all of this and like losing the thread all of the things it's perfect I love it so much (laughs) yeah that would look great on a gallery wall yep and so that like all the pieces that I'm making right now are under the theme of my brain on motherhood Mm -hmm. so like my experience (laughs) as a mother inside my head Mm -hmm. and how that's different than how I was before so that's the first piece I finished I love it and next I'm doing a collage then I'm also going to do like some fiber art pieces where I'm using old family photos and stuff like that oh talk about that a little bit so we went through a bunch of the family photos when I was pregnant and kind of sorting them in decades and who's who in the photos and I just went through and I scanned ones that had mothers and babies and so this piece 
piece is more representing how I feel more connected to the past generations of my family than I did before I was a mother. Ooh. And so I'm going to print them on fabric and then try different techniques of layering fabric and textiles and embroidery and oh. those kind of traditional handmaking techniques that the women in my family have been doing like probably forever. Oh, I love, oh, it. I love that. Yeah. Red and I were talking, um, one of the things we talked about last week and um, I don't think that we kept it in the final. We did. We talked for a long time. <laughs> so many conversations. But one of the things it'll that we be talked for about the uh, is... next level uh, patrons. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they get the outtakes. You guys can get the outtakes. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we talked about, or that I I talked about and read um, gracefully, listened to, was that my my mom has all of these old rugs that her great grandmother and her grandmother made. My mom's family is, is a lot, a lot of Scottish folk, and um, they were farmers. They didn't have a whole lot, and they were in this like wildly cold and absurd climate. So they made a lot. Like fiber arts were big because they keep you alive, and um, because they didn't have a whole lot to work with, they would take like the old clothes rags and make them into rugs, and make mm-hmm. those rugs then into mm-hmm. bed. And so mom has all of these hook rugs from generations ago, but they're like natural fabric. And so they're falling apart. Like they just can't stay together and she can't let go of things because of the um, emotional, you know, attachment to it. She feels like she's holding this legacy and she can't throw them away because then she's throwing away a piece of her family. Right. Mm -hmm. So I then became obsessed as I do with the punch rug hooking and using like the Oxford punch needle. And it looks like just such a, you know, meditative, calming, cool thing to work on. And I thought, man, if it would be so cool if mom and I could go and I found a place where we can go and take a class and make a rug together with these. It's like a newer version of these techniques that her grandmother and her great-grandmother would have used to make these rugs and that we can recreate some of the designs that her grandmother and great-grandmother made in new fabric that she can then have as like fresh rugs that she can walk on and live with and feel like she's still holding that um, without holding on to the, you know, piles and piles of stuff that she doesn't need to carry with her mm-hmm. physically. And it's like I love it. And working with your hands and using the kinds of techniques or a similar technique to your, the creative moms and grandmas and aunties behind you kind of thing and being able to see like literally making comfort with your hands for someone's cold feet and stuff. So cool. That is cool. Yeah. It's like the um, how to make an American quilt thing, right? mm -hmm. There's something about women building things that are comfort with their hands and sitting together and all of the stuff that goes into it. It's a very cool thing. No one in my family, my mom nor my grandmother made anything. They all claimed that they were not creative. Oh, really? Yeah. I, There's a was, lot of like art and painting and stuff in your family. My dad is a, was a painter. Mm-hmm. He was a fine artist. Yeah. So when I was reading big, rereading Big Magic, I noticed I'd underlined a section where she said that even if your parents or your grandparents didn't create, like if you went far enough back your line, there were creators because we couldn't go to the store and buy things. Oh, so yeah. Somewhere yes, up your line, like... <laughs> Somebody was making something. Yeah. It was leather work or quilting or cooking or whatever. Yeah. The one thing that I do remember, my grandmother had agoraphobia. And so she never left the house. So everyone always came there. And they would give each other perms and like dye their hair and like cut hair in her front room. And so that always made me think that you can, you know, like do it yourself. Like I'm very much do it yourself. And I got that. I did get that from them. Well, and it's like the same kind of community piece, right? Of like mm-hmm. people coming together to 
things. That's something yeah. that I miss a lot. Like that feeling of being, and this, we, we, all three of us, we met each other on, in the internet mm-hmm. and there's so much value and love reality and human contact and stuff in it. But there's something about being in the same space with other people, like doing human things with humans that I really oh, love. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's almost too easy, um, to, to avoid that because it requires, um, an extra step of work and we sort of forget what we get out of it too. Like I will go and spend time with my, you know, like IRL people (laughs) and Mm -hmm. be like, wow, I feel really like warm and good and like tired, but in a really good and satisfying way. And weird. What's that about? (laughs) And even too, like we, met inside the internet but then we met in real life yeah and I think that's probably yeah. why we have such as like a stronger bond than people we've only met inside the internet yes definitely yeah 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 for sure. real yeah there's something about um being in someone's presence where you get to really feel together and like you really get to just I don't know you can really feel a person's self and stuff more when you're when you're side by side Oh, yeah, because definitely you're, at least for me, I'm constantly editing myself on the internet. I I am not, that is not really the real me. I hold back a lot, but in person, I can't, I can't. I just have to be mm-hmm. my real self with all my yeah. F-bombs and, you know, everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm literally like an editor. That's one of my jobs that I mm-hmm. do. And, um, and, but in real life, I have like actual impulse control problems. <laughs> so, like I can't edit myself on the spot. That's maybe one of the reasons I'm such a good editor on paper. Cause I'm just like, this is magic. People can just not say things when they come into their head. Yeah. What exactly is the artist residency and motherhood? That's a great question. I find it really hard to describe, but I will attempt okay. it. So Linka calls it an open source, meaning kind of like when you make a computer program, mm-hmm. it's open source. Anybody can take it and use it and adapt it to their own needs. Mm-hmm. So this is an open source program that she made. She made it for herself. She was a working artist. And then she found that she she was not kind of welcome to apply to residencies, traditional artist residencies as a parent they would say, you can't bring a child with you. Mm -hmm. And so this whole arm of her career as an artist was cut off to her. And she Mm. was like, okay, well, how can I use what I have? The reason I go to residencies is to have new experiences. Mm -hmm. So how can I take the experience, the new experiences I'm having as a mother and make that the material for my art? Mm -hmm. And so she first did it for herself. And then she kind of put the framework up on the website and anybody can do it. Like, you don't have to apply. You just say you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. she has some resources, a manifesto and a community. There's a Facebook group. There's like a map where you can see everybody that is partaking. And uh, there's a hashtag on Instagram. That's mostly how I kind of find other people that are doing it so there's like it's not a huge community mm-hmm. but there are other mothers out there all with children of all different ages that are participating in it you can set your own link and kind of do with it what you will but I really like the idea that I'm using the material like the experiences I'm having mm-hmm. to make the art rather than you know kind of the idea that I have to push back against it and do it in spite 
of being a mother, mm-hmm. that the motherhood is part of the art. Oh, I like that. I do too. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause the whole, so I started the whole motherhood thing 20 years ago and started writing really seriously within a couple years um, of that. And all of like the sort of literary mentor type people um, that I was really drawn to were women who were struggling to try and do the thing, be the storyteller, be a writer, and also be a mom. And a big piece of it is logistical, like really pragmatic stuff of being like, I have to feed this human. And um, I don't know if, if I was drawn to single moms because I am one, or if it's like <laughs> a common thing that single moms are like, <laughs> writers or writers don't stay married. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> it's, it's all like correlation, not causation. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of that, like pushing against it, where it's like, I can't, I have to do the thing that will feed my kids. Um, I can't do the thing that is burning in me to, to be made or whatever, because it's not safe. It's not appropriate. It's not enough. And so it's very cool to hear like this. Yeah, this is the residency. I'm going to this place so I can have the experiences that will fuel my creativity um, rather than like trying to survive it so that my creative self can keep going at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. right I found a lot of people respond to it with oh well when I was a new mom I didn't I didn't do anything creatively and I think there's kind of a couple things going on there uh one they maybe did but they didn't value what they were doing or consider it creative like you were saying all the thing about fiber arts and like a lot of us make things for our babies or you know there's lots of ways you can be creative that's not maybe traditional art Mm -hmm. and then also just feeling really kind of defensive of your own choices that Mm -hmm. you know everyone has different bandwidths to do different things and I'm not at all saying that someone should do like what I'm doing you know everybody has to do what's best for them right and for me I need to do something to process what I'm going through I need to write my journal to Mm -hmm. understand what I'm thinking and what I need to do. Um, And there's this real judgment in motherhood that like, if you do something different that they consider was not an option for them, it can kind of feel a little bit scary to be on the other side where I don't know, I've kind of got a couple of comments where I have to talk myself off the ledge and be like, Uh. it's okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And almost always, Yeah, almost always I find um, the when people are super judgmental, particularly other moms, when they're like reacting really strongly to your momming, it's often because they feel badly about their momming because it is the hardest, most impossible and most harshly judged act, I think, in the world. Yeah. um, Motherhood. And so we are riddled, all of us, with, shame for things we don't even know we're ashamed of just because we're certain that like everything is our fault and it's really really um prevalent like and we end up without recognizing it when we see someone doing something that we're like wow if I knew if I could have done that if I would have recognized that that was an opportunity or that was a possibility and instead of seeing it as being like a cool evolving way that the world works we see it as like a judgment on what I didn't do. 
And so we react harshly against others or we do that thing of like, it must be nice to have the ability to do that thing I can't do instead of just like seeing it all as like, you know, multitudes, right. And, and recognizing that we're all humans and it's such a um, changing world and it's such a changing role. And it's just like super cool when people do new things with it. Um, and it doesn't negate your experience as a mom. It's just like another experience of a mom, yeah. but it's like, some people are yeah, just judgmental like, jerks. <laughs> that too. That too. And it it's comes like, across I look at my mom and she kind of, my mom kind of put a lot of her personal stuff way back in the back closet to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily the best thing for her. You know, she couldn't help but be creative. Creativity spills out of you, but she was creative mm -hmm. in things for us. And mm -hmm. then as soon as we went to college, I kind of saw this whole other side of her that she just didn't mm -hmm. nurture mm -hmm. while we were young. That would have been fascinating to watch her making her own art, mm -hmm. not necessarily stuff for, you know, our clothes or our Girl Scout crafts mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of kept that in mind a little bit yeah I think moms are allowed to be human more now like you, we can yeah, keep our identity definitely. a little bit more yeah. yeah because we exist as more than um this figurehead in someone else's future memories <laughs> like right. we're allowed to be a person at the same time it's still not easy to do it but I think we're at least allowed to like in you know as a thought experiment people are allowing it to exist as a possibility <laughs> If you yeah. can figure it out. When I was a new mom, I one of the questions on your survey, which we can talk about, um, was about find, how did you identify maybe was the question. But I think I, it was, did your, ident your identity or your sense of self change? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, it never, I identified it as a mom and it didn't even occur to me to not, um, this was back yeah. in the in the late 80s. And I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't, uh, I'm not like a martyr or anything, giving up my life for my kids. But it was just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a mom. That's me now. Mm -hmm. And um, and it took a while to kind of realize it. Like my identity wasn't just about being a mother, but, mm -hmm. you know, being a person too. Yeah. Separate from it. Yeah. I'm coming yeah. there now. I had Bailey when I was, I was 18 when I got pregnant and I had her at 19. So, um, and then I had, ba I had Brie just a couple years later. And then mm -hmm. shortly after Brie was born, my husband and I split up and I went to university. So I was like doing adulthood only through the lens of being a mom. So I am only right. now 20 years later, as my girls are sort of moving into their own direction finding their own place, recognizing that I have identified as um, their mom so much so that um, although I didn't think I was, I thought I was being very like, you know, cool and young and hip and everything. But I was I was <laughs> identifying myself so much by their actions and their lives and their stories that um, as they started to move away from me, I was like, what, who, what do I, where am I? What is this? Like, who am I now? And what do I do if they fall down? And it feels like I have fallen down. And it's like, I started to realize that their mistakes, their bumps in the road there, cause everybody needs to fall down to learn how to get up. Right. And like, mm -hmm. them falling down doesn't scrape my knee. Like I am a person yeah, I have my own knees <laughs> and <laughs> I, I have to be able to fall down and scrape my own knees. And I, ha I didn't do that. I didn't, 
because they're at the age now that I was when I was already a mom. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the things and starting to learn about themselves in ways that I didn't do because I was immediately like, okay, I have to be the mom now and I have to do the things that right. moms do. So it's kind of yeah. like yeah. I'm watching them <laughs> figuring that stuff out and being like, oh, I'm going to figure that out too. That's neat. I'd like to. And, uh, <laughs> and it's kind of cool. I feel badly for them because I'm like stealing Bree's thunder. She's like, oh, I think I'm going to go to university and and take this program and I'm like maybe I should go to university again too she's like let it be mine my mom okay? did that my did mom you? did that she went to college with me she oh, asked God, me if awesome. it would bother me and I didn't mind I like it. it was kind of like we got I don't know when I was a teenager I didn't hang out with my mom very much I was like doing my whole gymnastics coach very independent thing and so mm-hmm. we got to spend a lot of time like as friends together in college, which is oh, weird and weird. unusual, but like it's, it's the stuff she didn't get to do because she put it all to the side. And so when we were, you know, coming out of high school, she was like, Hey, I think, yeah, I want to try this stuff too. That's oh, cool. That's neat. Yeah. I dig that. Brie would kill me if I went to school with her. <laughs> She's <laughs> kind of okay with, well, she and I have hung out a lot more in this part of life, like she, we did the Gilmore girls kind of vibe thing. And so she's ready to go and be her own self. And, right. and that's cool. Cause I am too. And I'm, I'm down with like going and doing my, my master's um, in Halifax and she's going to Ontario and we'll be in separate places and that'll be cool. Um, and she's doing a totally different type of school than me and everything. So she's got her own, but I think that's really neat that you got to have that experience with your mom. And that she did too. What did you guys take the same program? So I started as fine art and she was theater and I switched to theater because <laughs> fine art was very like competitive and judgmental. And I took like a couple theater classes. I was like, this is collaborative and nice. So it wasn't like she followed me. It was like, I ended up there just by accident, but it was kind of cool. Cause she was the costumer and I was the stage manager and Aww. yeah, I, I just love the theater. It's so much more friendly. Like even I I like what I'm doing now with the fine art, but I've had like a couple little taste of how snooty and like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it can be a lot of gatekeeping. Yeah. A lot of that. And I don't know. I'm more of a fan of the egalitarian kind of view of art that everybody can make art Mm -hmm. and everybody can do art. And it doesn't just have to be rich white men that have these degrees that, are getting into stuff so I don't know I kind of thought I might want to go back for my math because I have a master's in theater I thought I might want to get a master's in art and just in the past couple months I've got a taste of what that is mm-hmm. I'm like actually maybe I don't want that maybe I don't want to play <laughs> <Yeah>. that game <laughs> awesome. yeah I feel like that that's cool the program I'm looking at is like basically it's a master's program in not um, creative nonfiction and it's basically um, like a series of deadlines for me. And I really, there's something deep inside me that wants my professors to like mm-hmm. me and I really can't let them down. Yeah. And I think that the only way that I will finish a manuscript for reals is if there's someone who is in that authority position yeah. <laughs> who's going to be disappointed in me if I don't do the deadline. Because I set deadlines for myself constantly, oh, God. Yeah. and then I sort of sleep through it. You're like, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm used to disappointing yeah. myself. 
Yeah, I can let myself down like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. But if you're a professor I'll get over or something. It. <laughs> yeah. So if you see potential in me, I just can't oh, yeah. let you down. It's I'm thing. sure there are some great fine arts master's degrees too. But mm-hmm. also I've yeah. kind of had I don't know. I don't want to get into the specifics, but it was kind of like an opportunity and everyone that got the opportunity had the MFA and they were all mm. white women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I already have enough advantages. I don't need to add this one. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of privilege and yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird to know what to do with that. And that's a hard to figure out. I think that's, a, that's an interesting thing, like to think about this idea of, um, of education as being an extra privilege and like, should I add another privilege to my mm. pile of privileges? I've never thought of it that way, Sarah. That's really interesting. Cause to me, I always like, you know, learning is the thing that I am happiest to do. Yeah, And, I, me and too. so, and the yeah, thing is, like I already have a master's degree, I have a master's degree in applied drama. And so the mm-hmm. thing, and I think maybe it's a lot to do with my motivation too, is like, I just want to have somebody legitimize me. Mm-hmm. That I have oh, okay. this in art, and that is a privilege mm-hmm. <laughs> to just go yeah. and ask for like somebody to stamp my head and say she knows yeah. what she's talking about in this particular <laughs> field. And it doesn't yeah. even mean I would be better. I mean, obviously, yeah. depending on the program, I could learn things, but I can also learn things about art not in university. And yeah. I've noticed too, in kind of looking at this, that there's definitely trends in the kind of art that's popular in schools that isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily the kind of art I want to do Mm -hmm. and again I know I could look if I looked far enough and hard enough I'd find like the perfect program but I have an eight-month-old baby I can't just go wherever (laughs) yeah (laughs) I actually did not go to college um I barely made it through high school so I have no plans of going to college anytime soon but um, I think the world is a wonderful teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you're taking learning. So like the idea of college being the thing that you do to learn, it's one of those sort of outdated, but I mean, it's still valid, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the only way, but you're taking classes and stuff all the time too. You do like the, the course learning thing in just a different way. That's how we met is by doing yeah. course learning yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm Just not a totally to different environment. Um, I don't see myself going to, first of all, I don't think I could afford it. Um, but secondly, it's just, I'm not sure I could even manage it. It's a lot. Sarah, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the other episode that we recorded. but I haven't. I need to figure out where it is. Oh, okay. You can listen to it on, on this app, or it's it's actually on okay. Spotify, too. Last week, we were talking about what is art. Remember that, Chris? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was, that was fun. Like, super fun. Yeah. So I want to um, ask, um, when do you think you can call yourself an artist? What is an artist? For me? So I I basically think that everybody is an artist or could mm-hmm. be an artist, and that you're an artist when you make things and it doesn't have to be you know visual art you're an artist if you write you're an artist Mm -hmm. if you that's my wide sweeping view um that I kind of throw all the creative endeavors into 
the one thing. And so I almost called my survey uh, Mother Artist, but I thought some people would self-select out of that. Yeah. And so I put, I called it Creative Mother to make sure it included, mm-hmm. you know, everyone. Yeah, I agree with you on on that definition of what an artist is. It's someone who creates art and it doesn't have to be fine art. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I dig that too. I think the only piece that, like little piece of flavor that I like to add in is that it becomes art when you're paying attention to or absorbing things in the world around you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have created things without any artistry whatsoever in it. I've just like made a meal because we needed to eat and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To eat, you know, it's like craft dinner is food too. It's not great for you, but whatever. <laughs> but there's something that happens when, you know, to parallel it, if I'm making a meal and I just feel like I'm creating something and I'm mm-hmm. paying attention to the sound of the bubbling food or like the feeling of the knife slicing through the garlic or something in me is connecting to the act of making the thing in a different way. Yeah. And I'm like more aware Absolutely. of the world around me or more aware even of how it's going to be received by the people who I'm making it for. Even if that people is me, like there's yes. something, an added layer in that creation that makes it more of a, of a creation of art rather than um, like that automaton kind of just like going through right. the motions thing. I agree. Yeah. And, and that could intentionality be. of like, yeah, you're making decisions about it. You're not just, going through the motions yes yeah yeah and there's like an observing thing for me that like even you know going for a walk in the woods you can be an artist in the moment even if you're not creating something because Mm -hmm. you're doing that like piece of absorbing and like this sounds really cheese ball but it's like that when you're walking and you hear the snapping of the twigs and it sounds like something else and it sets off that Mm -hmm. chain Mm -hmm. of like ideas in your head and stuff and like that's you being an artist and later on maybe you'll create something with that piece of information or that experience but it's going to it's a piece of you being an artist regardless of whether or not it goes into something specifically yes and yes. so, that's so mm-hmm. much. I really want to get into that in this book that I'm writing that the mm-hmm. survey is for is like that Feeding your, nurturing your inner artist doesn't have to mean that you make art. Mm -hmm. Maybe when you have a brand new baby, maybe you're not making art at all. Maybe you are like a single mom without a support system and you're just trying to keep everybody alive. Mm -hmm. But you can Mm -hmm. still nurture your inner artist by observing the world around you and like seeing things in a different way that it's not about the paintbrush on the paper. It might be something different. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Greg's always trying to get me to do um, plein air painting because we mm-hmm. camp a lot. Why don't you just yeah. take your paints out? And I'm just like, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not into it. I don't, it doesn't feel like it would feel good to me for some reason. I mm-hmm. feel like I would suck at it actually. I think that's the thing, but I always observe it as if I'm going to paint it. And I think that that's like almost as good. <laughs> yeah. I think so. It's well, I mean, this is like the romantics, right? The whole, you know, art or poetry or whatever is when you try to tell somebody about the experience you had. And so that means that you have to have the experience first. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can have the experience while you're making the thing. But sometimes I kind of need to have a chance to taste it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I can go back and try and try and describe it with whatever medium I'm using. 
And sometimes it's like in the moment is better for me because I'll forget about it and never do it. But sometimes yeah. I just need to have that time to just absorb it without any output. I agree. We always, um, I take my travel journal whenever we go places and that's what we do. Cause like when, you know, you're camping, once it's lights out, it's pretty much either like bedtime or, or what. So we sit around and, um, I'll journal about what happened. Cause I, I have a terrible memory. So I want to make sure I remember all the things that we did. So that's mm-hmm. like kind of our, um, little tradition when we go camping and last when we went on our last camping trip, um, I didn't feel like writing it. So I just did um, like a voice note in my phone and it was so awesome (laughs) because I was able to do my stream of consciousness thought. It was everything. And I was looking back at it the other day because it popped up when I was looking at my notes and I was like, this is freaking awesome. Like I fucking love this. (laughs) I love that idea. I'm going to put that in my book, Michelle. Okay. I'm trying to put different ways other than journaling. And I love that. I'm writing it on a napkin. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) And one of the things that was really great about it is when you're doing a talk to text, it misinterprets your words a lot. So we were cracking up like, oh my God, I thought I said this and this is what I really said. So it was. What do you use to turn it to text? Um, I just do it in notes and I have an iPhone. So if you go to make a note, you can oh. just tap the little microphone next to the, where you would normally type and it, it'll record you. It'll I turn I had no it. idea you could do that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. I'm not I very good at typing do, like, on the phone. I can't do the talk to text as though I'm talking. There's like, oh, mine was exactly like is. I was talking. I can't because it's like, I I think it's the editor piece of me that's just like, check the words, check the spelling, check to make sure, and they can't. So for me, I uh-huh. have to, when I need to talk it out, like, because it's a way for me to process stuff, mm-hmm. obviously, because I talk all the time, as you mm-hmm. all know. Um, and it's totally a way for me to sort through like the chaff in my head and try and find the right things. And writing doesn't work as well for me. So like writing out sentences, making bullet points works a bit better. But for me to be able to get that same thing, I need to just record all the words and then Mm -hmm. like just talk as if Red or Sarah are listening to me and then come back and listen to it later and be like, oh, that was a salient point or that was not. (laughs) Scratch (laughs) that idea. (laughs) Moving on. And then I can do the like putting it down on paper thing. But if I try and have it go into written word immediately, it's the same amount of editing as if I was doing it on paper. (laughs) Um, Well, this is just my travel journal. So I don't really, I, I ramble and cause I say like a lot and yeah, we, I'll, I will write down like in my journal, right. Just speaking it gave it a a new, it took it to a new level. It was, it was pretty pretty hilarious. Yeah. There's another chapter for the book. So talk, so the book, yes. Tell us more about the book because we talked a little bit about the survey and right. so Red I and I both I did messaged, it. Yeah. I messaged you, Chris. And I was like, I think I accidentally started writing a book. <laughs> 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 and that's what's happening to me right now. And it's amazing because before the baby, I would try so hard and I would force things. And right mm-hmm. now I have so little time that things just bubble out. And I'm like, whoa, I think I was writing in a journal and like, this is, this is an idea for a book. And basically I've been rereading the artist way mm-hmm. and it's great. 
but it does not take into account holding a baby most of the day. Right. And the things that she says you must do are not possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as a, you know, I'm sure some people could read it and just be like, meh, but I'm a real big rule follower. And so I felt <laughs> like I had to rearrange it into like a new <laughs> set of structure or lack of structure or open up, knock down rules and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I bet someone else could benefit from this as well. So it's going to be a book. I'm, about kind of kindling your creativity as a new mother. It's specifically for new mothers because that's my experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling moms with who know way more than me what to do, but while I'm in the trenches and I remember how it is to feel this mm-hmm. way, I want to write about that and things you can do that isn't necessarily how to be more productive or a better artist, but how to keep that part of you, like just a little flicker of it. Keep the awesome. flame going so that you can, you know, It can turn into a bonfire later, Mm -hmm. but just don't let it go out. I love it. Yeah. And it's like the idea of like mothers who know more than you, like again, okay, so we've been there longer and we've been doing it for a longer time. Um, But that doesn't necessarily equate like a greater knowledge kind of thing. Like, right. So like there's all kinds of stuff that you're going to be learning right now that we'll be learning right now too for the first time. (laughs) We all got to figure out how to keep the little fire burning because it doesn't ever end. It's always a piece of that, um, the juggling. Yeah. And you will think that you know things, but <laughs> if you decide to have a second child, you have to start all over again. I mean, right. Yes. Literally, I, there I is. I remember that just from like, I have an older sister and her two kids are so different. Yeah. And I mean, even looking at my siblings, like I've heard that enough that, you know, it's just, it kind of is unfathomable to me when someone thinks they can give advice that will just work for you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. every child is so different and yeah. every family is different. Yeah. Some yeah. Things... Everything. And there's too many um, different potential pieces that Variables. can change. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. People are different. Even people that come out of your body, they are going to be different <laughs> people. <laughs> They're not going to be like you. They're not going to be, obviously you're going to see parts of you and parts of their dad in them, but yeah. Oof, motherhood. So (laughs) the book is like going to teach us all how to do this. Well, so (laughs) exactly the idea, like the concept is that rather than telling people what to do, I provide a series of prompts to help you figure out what works for you. And I mean, you can work through it several times because as you keep saying, it changes. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, for me, it's changing from day to day. Yeah. <laughs> it works. You know, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I finished writing 10,000 words on my first draft because he Woo-hoo. was like napping in his bed. Mm-hmm. And now if I try to lay him down, he wakes right up. So he's napping on me. So I'm mm. like, okay, well, what can I do? Rather than like, I can't do anything. What was me? What can I do mm-hmm. while I'm here? Mm-hmm. And I'm privileged to have an iPad. So I've pulled that back out and I've been doing stuff on that and reading on my iPhone and, you know, watching a lot of Project Runway. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But it changes constantly. And so I have to like ask myself, like, how can I feed my inner artist right now? What can I do? And also, how can I be kind to myself? And like taking care of yourself is also taking care of your inner artist. Right. If you run yourself into the ground, you're not going to feel like making anything. Yeah. And burnout is real. Burnout is, and it changes the way that your brain works. It changes the ability to create. 
significantly. Yeah, absolutely. So don't let that happen. (laughs) Avoid that. (laughs) At all costs. (laughs) That can be your guest chapter, Chris. Avoid that. (laughs) Just don't. Do not do this. (laughs) I think that this idea of taking care of yourself because you're a human being. Yeah. Full stop is something that women need to learn and moms need to really take. Because we have this idea and there's this like self-care sort of trendy nonsense right now where it's like mom's like have your glass of wine because junior needs you to feel good and it's like junior is irrelevant to this i'm a human being and i need to feel good because that matters i also Mm -hmm. want to be a good mom but that's a separate conversation thank you very much my worth is not in my being a vehicle for someone else's care i also am a person yeah like before i became a mom I felt really excluded from a lot of that because I was experiencing it too. Like, it's really weird as women, you don't have to be a mother to feel like you have to sacrifice taking care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just it's how built in. kind of programmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From kindergarten. Yeah. From being little tiny girl. I remember being in like early elementary school and being like paired with the the boy in my class who was had like significant behavioral problems my teacher like paired me with him for a science project because he really needed my help and they were like you're a good yeah you're a good student Chris you can you can go and and be his partner and make him better and that's just the way that's just the way it is yeah one of the cool things that comes out of it is that women I have noticed in female friendships, like it's the most magical thing in the world Mm -hmm. because we have been built and honed into these people who can care for one another so tremendously. Mm -hmm. And we're Mm -hmm. starting to turn it to each other. And we're starting to use this like wild magic capability for care that we have to care for other women (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we're like, who needs this? You do, girl. Yeah. (laughs) I see you right now. Yeah. Yeah my really empathetic, compassionate, caring ability to lift you up and do what you need in the moment that you can't even say it. So that's where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, I am there. Don't for burn it. out. Also take care of your girlfriends because they yes. need you too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Have you had a good response with your study? I have. I have almost 100 answers. Oh, that's awesome. So I don't what know are you learning? Are you... Well, I looked at the answers a little bit at first to make sure the questions were worded okay, and I haven't looked at them again, but (laughs) I'm going to wait till it's complete now because it's kind of like, I don't know, I could be on it all day, Yeah. so I'm trying to prevent (laughs) that and just wait for it to come in, and then I'll go into full research scholar mode. When I first looked at it, (laughs) it definitely seemed like... The what it showed me at that first glance was the experience I had. I wasn't alone in mm-hmm. like the things mm-hmm. that I was struggling with. Others were struggling with too, and it just kind of gives you that confidence when I am writing the book that it's not just me. I mm-hmm. can go, you know, eighty percent of other women who surveyed also experienced this, and it's you know whoever's reading it that you're not alone. And then like all the little anecdotes and stories, I'm so excited to dip into. I think I'm going to kind of just read through and kind of highlight or copy down, like write down the things that kind of stick out to me. And then like, that'll be kind of the first pass. And then also I kind of want to like divvy it up and divide 
because I can sort by when you become a mother. So I can kind mm-hmm. of like look at moms who are new moms now, look at moms who were new moms in the eighties and kind of like separate and see if there's any differences in some of the things like that kind of separate by different um, specifics like categories or mm. there's another word, but anyway, you know, kind of divide it out and look at the data in different formats and see if that tells me anything. Nice. That's so cool. Well, you definitely have your work cut out for you because some of those were essay questions. And then too, I'm sure that some people will say like a glimmer of something and then almost everyone, I mean, when I first looked at it, a hundred percent of people said they were open to follow-up questions. So mm-hmm. I might do further interviews with certain people or ask for more elaboration. So so excited cool it I'm sounds excited exciting. for this project to yeah as it progresses it's very cool it's neat to be able to watch something like this happening through the development process um rather than seeing the end result and, and having only that in your head it's really cool to be able to watch it mm-hmm. well sarah i hope that you'll come back and talk with us again when your pro- project yeah. progresses a little further yeah it's been fun oh good i'm so glad you enjoyed it me too, obviously. I love y'all. <laughs> you're, both, you're both my faves, and I'm just, like, so excited Aww. to just hang out. So Yeah, I like it. I love talking to people Thank about you. creative ideas and any ideas. Let's wrap it up um, so that Sarah can get back to her baby mm-hmm. and doing whatever else. Because she's not just a mother. She could do whatever she wants. <laughs> she told her mom an hour and a half, so oh, you have, like, two minutes. <laughs> You can do anything. Go take, yeah, do whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Just text your mom. It went a little long. 15 more minutes, please. (laughs) You know, Chris and Red, they never (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you guys for hanging out with me. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us, Red. Yeah, I'll be posting the links in the show notes so we can. Um, talk about uh, the creative mothers survey. Did I say, is that right? Yes. Okay. So there'll be a link to that. You're still, you're still taking. Yes. It's open until February 15th. Awesome. Okay. We'll post a link to that so people can participate in that. And um, I'll put links for the artists residency in motherhood. That is difficult for me to say. I have no idea why. (laughs) It's a mouthful. Yeah. But it's a, seems like a fun project. (laughs) <laughs> okay well I thank you sarah a lot of fun. thank you bye bye, bye.